0: This is Inconstant. Hello and welcome to episode four of Inconstant. Um, uh, this week I will be reading, um, some, some short stories that I have, uh, written, um, uh most of these were written um with the now defunct um writing group uh in Wood Green. Um called um oh, what were they called? They were called uh called something weird. Um anyway, uh they, they shut down uh, due to um uh funding cuts. Uh, meaning that they had to pay a lot more money for the library room that they had to hire out. Okay, so I'll start with um, uh, reading some short stories from my red notebook. So uh, just get started here. So most of these were done, were created as a result of um, doing writing exercises. So. Um, here we go. Can you hear that wire banging up against my thing? Oh, this going to be annoying. Let's see if I can sort that out. All right. Amateur hour, people. Amateur hour. Okay, I'm still learning how to do all this kind of stuff. Okay. So, story from Red Notebook 1. Why do they stare, Rizzo wondered, pulling his overcoat tighter as if... They this in some way which shield him from what he perceived to be the hostile eyes of the strange people in the street. He did not want anything of this city anymore. He wanted to switch his, switch off his brain and only have it turned back on again when he had left the city limits. At first the confused mix of old almost ancient buildings made of stone and skyscrapers made of glass and steel excited riser. He was stunned. That's what this City did, it hit you over the head and concussed you It altered your brainways and stopped you from thinking straight He hated it now, he hated it so much He spent a little bit of everyday thinking How much he would enjoy seeing it burned to the ground and shelled out of existence So he walked, trying to keep his eyes down on the grimy streets He felt as filthy as the pavements he walked on Every step he took out of the city, he felt cleansed him. His journey out of the city was a walking ablution. He'd planned a wonderful life for himself outside the city limits, a life he could live. All he needed to do was get out. Caught in his caught in this stray daydream state, he almost stepped out in front of a bus. The vehicle screeched past him. So that's uh, story one. The Red Notebook, Uh, the Red Notebook Story 2, I've grown to hate my dog. He's changed and I can't tolerate his behaviour anymore. He used to be different, he used to be happy, all of us together, me, Mel and the two little ones. The perfect family, mum, dad, Casey and Phil and our mongrel. Mel insisted he was a golden retriever mix. Bobby, Bobby was great with the kids, playful and protective and gentle. Much. No matter how rough they were with him, he loved them. When me and Mel got together, she was not too keen on Boppy. She thought him ugly with his long fur, that was a shade of dull brown with grey patches. But could she? But she could see how much he meant to me. God, I miss her. I miss that life. I'd do anything to get back with Mel. Me and Mel tried, we tried until we got tired of trying. Bobby has a permanent sneer on his face. He growls and barks all the time. He'll take his food and out he'll take his food and water from me but nothing else. He snaps at me when I try to take him for a walk. Oh, there's an interesting um kernel of an idea there. Something to uh maybe work on a little bit later. Definitely something to come back from, back to anyway. Okay, uh, the red notebook three. Ah, oh, find it. This was um. So the, the name of the group was called Utter, and it was a it's a poetry group and um, writing group uh, that ran workshops in um, Wood Green and a guy called Richard Tyron Jones is one of the, the founders I should actually see if I can get uh, in touch with uh, some of the former participants it be interesting to see what they're, um, they're up to now, some, some really good writers there, anyway um, I'm not going to read this one because it's not very good. Okay. Um, well, most of them aren't very good, but yeah. What can you expect when you uh, write stories in about thirty minutes without going back to editing? Okay. So um, another short one, really. The corpse of the toadle copter lay half buried in the orange sand. It occasionally pinged. As, it large, as its large rotator blades tried to move. Ravy Commy Twaddle, the pilot of the Twaddlecopter, looked at the blue, cloudless sky. He was tired. It was only for a few days since the crash, but he was already looking haggard. Rough stubble began to grow on his face, and his normally pale complexion was becoming tanned. He crashed the Twaddlecopter, crashed because he was showing off. Stupid air twists and stunts in the sky... All for the sake of gasps and giggles of, a, of the delighted crowd He scolded himself for pushing the Tordocopter further and further um, Okay, so um, Ah, so this is a interesting one Okay, so I've actually divert, tried to divert this story into um, a comic which wasn't particularly um, successfully drawn because I didn't really know how to write comic scripts then. But it's it's an interesting character, um, and I've already started building the world up a little bit more. And um, I would like to actually write a novel about about this, but I need to do a lot more research into kind of a native, uh, um, native, what do you mean native? Like um, primitive seafaring and navigation. Um, Techniques, um, kind of maybe Eastern techniques or uh, Pan Pacific techniques from um, sort of like people of Samoa and that kind of um kind of a uh, area. Anyway, <coughs> for mine it was cold and dark. She hated it. She hated being alone down here. The air was dank and salty. She had not expected that, but she had not expected to be thrown down into the deep tunnels of a mine either she waved her one good good hand in front of her face just to see if she could see it, nothing it was sort of darkness this was Mara's test even though she'd felt she'd been proving herself her her whole life Mm. this was her test find your way out, her uncle had said when they had left her there Mara had planned on tracking her uncle and his goons out but they had gassed her I'm going to die here she thought She used the one Good hand to examine Her bad left hand It had already begun to corrode In the sodium filled air My skin felt dry and coarse She didn't know How much longer she was going to be Down in the dark So there's a problem there isn't it already So I've said it's uh, dank And salty but like um, Salt mines are usually dry I think so I need to do more research and sort of actually how it actually does feel down to be deep down in a, a salt mine anyway let's carry on she began to walk she remembered the moment her uncle left her there where am I she asked the salt mine mind you still claw Mara. it'll rot down here can't taste the salt in the air though she could not see him she could tell her uncle Murray was grinning nastily as he said this, tried to prove yourself, you little bitch. Then there was the gas, and he was gone. So I'm really bad with names. So like Mara is not too bad. Murray needs a needs a lot of work. Needs a needs a name change there. Using her good hand to feel her way against the mine wall, Mara slowly made it through the tunnels. Every soft, so and she could she would use her metal claw. At the end of the end of her left arm, to mark the wall in case she had to track back and keep track of how lot, how far she had gone, it was silent. In the darkness, the air was still, as if the darkness was so complete it would not permit the air to move. Mara began to cry and unthinkingly wiped the tears with her hand, forgetting it was covered in salt from the wall. Her eyes burned and she gasped and pain. She shook and panted and the pain was intense. Pain passed. She managed a few deep breaths. As Mara shuddered, she did not hear the silence of the mind being broken by the quiet mov- movements of Korsa Unatak, the eight-limbed giant. Korsa Unatak, the traitor, the giant, was furious. The male had brought this child here and torn down his webbing and blocked the entrance to the mine Cor, sir, on attack Creeped quickly across the ceiling Of the mine He craved vengeance Mara chided herself, stupid girl Her face and eyes were red and sore The giant creature from above Dropped down and knocked Mara Off her feet core sir, on attack Was twice Mara's size So, I think there's this uh, again Um Uh kind of a crane of a, a really good story there there's a good seed there I just need to kind of uh, build it up a little bit um I think yeah you need to kind of like plan a story like this out a little bit more so I'll definitely one to work on from there I really should get back to doing these writing exercises actually um yeah I should really uh, get back to um of uh, writing a lot more often, but I get distracted and I'm a bit lazy. So what can you do? All right, um, actually do some writing for it. That's what you can do. All right, um, the this is another story from here. Um, how long have we been going? Um, twelve minutes. Uh, I'll see if I can go for like half an hour on this one. Um. Th- Okay, so the room was bathed in sunlight. Bloody mess, said Van, looking at the corpse. The dead woman had been beaten. The cadaver lay face down in a pool of blood. What was exposed of her face was bruised and swollen. Van shook her head. It perplexed her the violence that visited upon us every day. It made no damn sense at all. Behind her, she heard the unmistakable huffing and puffing of her partner, Rizzo. Rizzo breathed like a fat man. He could tell he was fat even over the phone. He was licking an ice cream cone. I tell you, Van, this thing is heaven in vanilla, said Rizzo. What did the chief say about you bringing food onto crime scenes, licking the ice cream that was dripping down his knuckles? Rizzo replied, I don't know something about contaminating the crime scene. It's dripping all over the floor, Van said. She almost angrily added the words, you that fuck but managed to catch yourself Rizzo peered over Van's shoulder and said oh bless my soul what a bloody mess a real nasty one as he finished off the last of the ice cream Van looked on disgusted as Rizzo licked his fingertips so what we got here some poor lady beaten to death I don't get it you know Van nodded in agreement how could someone let carpet as nice as this get ruined by blood Bloodstains, it's a mighty mystery to me You'd have thought the perp But would have offered her in the garden As I said, as he picked his nose And wiped his boogers on the wall So, uh, a bit of a Funny one there, I suppose I don't like either of those ones So let's, uh Choose another story from there. Oh gosh, these are stories from two thousand and nine. I haven't written any short stories in a while. Um mm. No, I don't like that one. Let's try this one. Okay. It's too early. Too, too early. I've just finished the late shift. I ache. I'm so tired, so tired. And yet here I am, Monday morning, waiting in a queue at Building's Edge. I feel my bed calling to me. Clarence, come over here and rest, Clarence. Clarence, Clarence. I curl my toes inside my boots and bite my tongue to try and remain awake. I have a bag of teeth in one hand and a bag of coins in the other. The queue at building's edge is packed with worried and weary people. I glance from face to face and they all have the same tired expression I do. Then I see her. She's old and wild-eyed, chuckling to herself. She looks like a giant frosted cream cake with blue icing on top. Walking bake. I blink and rub my eyes just to make sure I'm not seeing things, just to make sure I've not fallen asleep. The old greedy grins at me, and it can't be, I mutter to myself. The old lady seems magnificently drunk, swaying from side to side, smiling as she giggles, belching, and scratching as she makes her way. I look around. Has no one else noticed? The young lady has returned from the dead. Our former prime minister is here. She's been reincarnated as a giant cake. From behind me, I hear a roar. A middle-aged man is charging towards Thatcher. He knocks her to the ground. Maggie lays ruined on the floor and starts crying. The man stands over and screams, You fucking bitch, over. You fucking bitch. You ruined this country over and over again. The Iron Lady weeps, mascara running down her face deep into her wrinkles I didn't ruin it it was already broken she says sadly I've seen enough leave her alone I shout no I won't she closed the pits she freaked the banks to fuck us all my family lost everything she ruined my family the man stares still full of righteous indignation that's no reason to smash her she's a cake now I I reply I had the man's full attention he looked like a miner all dirty hands and hard muscles if he hit me, I'd go down. Behind him, the Facture cake, Cake Facture, was slowly reforming. I pointed at her. Facture had a steely look in her eye. The man turned and started taking handfuls of Facture's case and stuffing it into his mouth. I turned away. I was squeamish when people were being devoured. It's a bit of a surreal story there. Um, and this is the last one. Oh, we've got a few more here. Okay, I'll read a a couple more then. Um, knock it on the head. Um, there. Water so beautiful, so perfect. Remember when we were young, smiling in the sun, staring at the fountain. It was so wonderful. Oh, it was so wonderful. The noise and the sound it made. The wash of the water spurted out the top. The admirers water droplets falling and splashing into the pool at the base trickling sounds like laughter as the water flowed over stone remember when we were young we were hot the sun was remorseless you said, go on I took off my sandals and dipped my toes in the cool pool splashing and splashing watching ripples in the water I giggled you think, you smiled I think you smiled and joined me Those fleeting moments, sitting at the edge, listening to the water floor, fall and flow, the rise and dip and drop, we were still, I closed my eyes, now I close them and I can still hear it, the ripples our feet made, there were birds, yes, there were birds singing, others were there, the familiar chattering and howls of families and children running and walking. In my heart's memory, we were there alone, in silence but for the fountain. It was an orchestral, orc- orchestra of fluids, of motion, playing an overture just for us. Then it passed. Like sand grains in the flowing tides, we were swept away from our perfect moment. We went home. Our lives went on. The water song we heard in the fountain played in our absence. I go back there sometimes. About you, of course, it's not the same. Trickling, thinking, splashing, splashing, I hear them, the song, is not the same, it's not for us. Well, that's a bit melancholy, is it? Um. Okay, uh, next one, uh, this will break your heart, standing, on a train edge start again I should have prepared this a bit more but I'm not really preparing things at the moment this will break your heart standing on a train platform telling your best friend that you want something more that shift you see in their eyes knowing that they'll say no she smiles this is heartbreaking with certainty but uneasiness she explains trying to let you down gently Just wants her to leave The answer is no Yeah I know exactly Where that one comes from And uh, that's yeah Yep 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 Anyway let's uh, do a different one A different story Okay Uh, Mina looked into the monster's eyes and smiled This thing was supposed to be evil But she saw light in its eyes It was stronger Stronger than most men And that's where a fear of them came from She thought the broad back of the creature was covered in spines and spikes. It moved on all fours with poise. There was no wasted movement. For something as large as a cart horse, it was agile. Mina reached it. It was aware. It could form thoughts of sorts. She, Mina reached in to feel them. The motions that felt abrasive. The concepts that formed in the creature, creature's mind was close to what we humans called hate, it hates us, it pounced against the cage, it was a futile gesture, her folk excelled in steel and stone, they had craft, what masses did not, could not do was reflect why exactly I need to really, what masses did not, could not do was reflect why they kept monsters like this one in the cage? Why the masses could okay, yeah, okay, you get the idea. Mina had decided it was because her folk had always done, and would always do so. People, humans, kept it in the cage not because it was dangerous, because it was beautiful. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, give me five minutes to be. Okay, people, humans kept in cage because... Um, da, 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 da. Okay, let's start that again. Because I'm doing something. I'm recording something. What? I'm recording something. Come back later. What are you recording? Something. Tell me. No, I'm recording something. Tell you. No. Tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Right, no. Yeah, I've locked the door. I've locked the door. (coughs) Give me five minutes, man. That's why you let me come in. Because I'm recording something. Why does that mean I can't come in? Because you'll disturb me. So? So I wanna get finished, that's why. So. What do you mean so? Yeah, I'm recording it right now. So I'm messing it up right now. You're messing it up right now. So everyone can hear me. Well everyone that um, will listen to it can hear you. No, it's not going on YouTube. Where's it going on then? I'm not telling you. Tell me. No. Why? Because. Why not? Because, be, just let me, give me five minutes and I'll be done, alright? Can you tell me? No, I'll tell you later. After you finish? After I finished. yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Where was I? It pounced against the cage. It was a futile gesture. Oh, no, okay, I can't read that bit. Its beauty was glorious like the flames of a village set alight, or a blood-covered blade. Her folk always caged the beautiful when they could not destroy it. Okay, uh, her folks always caged the beautiful and when they could. Oh, uh, uh, that's a bad age Her folks always caged the beautiful when they could, or destroyed it when they could not. Mina recoiled the monsters, ruled it, twisted free like a cat. In an unwanted embrace Fury lingered She was tempted to reach it again To whisper Sush, You'll be free soon Okay let's make this the last one For today we're at 25 minutes Ah, uh, say the last one Let's do I mean we've we got left Okay we've got a couple left from the red, um, red notebook So let's just uh, Let's do a couple more Okay, Bridget looks out of the window of her flat. After nearly 20 years, she was free to enjoy the view. No more unexplained bruises from unexplained accidents. She could sit here, look down at her children playing in the park below and smile. She stares off into the distance, her, her gaze drawn to Alexandra Palace. Memories of her younger years of summer days spent picnicking, surf this, and were pushed down again. She sips her cup of tea. The clouds, she thought, look grey and menacing. She hopes for a rainbow. Her gaze turns to the sea, A place of concrete and glass. It was brutal and ugly like the crockery on a smashed floor. Like crockery smashed on the floor. All of it was built in a different time. She sips her tea and suddenly is overcome with tiredness. So the long wait to be free. And it was all too bloody late. Patting a tear away, she pondered. Hello, my dar." Okay, so this is a different story. Hello, my darling. I love you, yelled Frankie as he stood on the banks of the lake. The water rippled and flowed. Frankie was mesmerized by it all. He worshipped this lake. He loved it with all his heart. The cloudy, dark water, its deep waters. Water so deep that Frankie felt they could keep any secrets and keep them for years and years, perhaps forever. Frankie hands and clothes were filthy. He slipped into the lake. Red filth dissipated out from his clothes and skin. The cloudy lake water near him turned on opaque and crimson. My darling, I hope I like the gift you, I gave you. He whispered to the lake he felt like he was being baptised that he was being purified he felt warmth and love from the cold water, this place surrounded, no hidden but trees was secluded and unfound birdsong was unknown here this place he thought was heaven and if any any place deserved a sacrifice of flesh and blood, it was heaven and So, these are the last two entries from the Red notebooks. so I'll read these out. It was horrific. A stuffed creature created by some deranged taxidermist. When I was younger, we would go together to see the Hammer horror films in the cinema. You know the ones with Peter Cushing. The Kingfisher look like something out of one of those films. It would be one of those sinister objects found in the lounge of a mad scientist or the lair of an evil cult leader. The sort of item that let you know not to the person who owned it. The kingfisher's eyes were big and black and were reflective. It raised my hackles, as did its long, sharp beak. I can hold this dead, stuffed, evil looking bird in my hands. Its fate is in my power. I could smash it, throw away. I hold it in my hands and wonder, why did my mum buy this? Okay, and then the uh, last one from the red notebook. An awkward silence. Okay, Da-da-da-da. awkward silences went. Okay, awkward silence when The one. Between was good. An awkward silence, like the one that rested between Smith and Hawkinson was pretty bad. It reached a point where it become oppressive and putrid. The old friends had long ago exhausted their usual topics of conversation, and had done so rather quickly, second past like kidney stones. It was readily apparent that both pa- to both parties that each of them was searching for a gambit to get out to get the conversation flowing again. Despite knowing each other for twenty years, Smith and Hawkinson did not really know each other that well. They both said they s- both shared the same set of friends and liked each other well enough. The thing was that they never really hung out together. Not just the two of them, anyway. There was always some other friends that they thought. There was always some friends they bought. There was always some friends they both thought that you could share a silence with. Ah, they both thought there were some friends that you could share a silence with comfortably, where company of the other was enough. This was; they both simultaneously concluded not one of those friendships. Cool. All right. So that's the uh, th- that's the podcast for this week. Um, yeah, I'll be trying to post regularly um, with uh, different ideas and concepts. All right. See you guys next week. Bye.